Hi, I'm Lucas Mack. I'm a former TV reporter, a published author, TEDx speaker, musician, advertising agency owner, and management consultant. I'm also a former Christian preacher who dedicated 15 years of my life searching for truth and love. I've done a lot of work to heal, and I'm on a mission to see the hurting get healed and the healed go out and heal others in order for all of us to experience the true love and light we desire. This podcast is me sharing my journey with you so you don't feel alone in your journey. Welcome to the Golden Rule Revolution. Brothers and sisters, welcome back. Welcome back. I greet you with the highest love, the highest light. I greet you with so much beauty and joy. I hope right now, through all the energetic shifts, through all the amazing things that are taking place around the world, both from a negative polarity and a positive polarity, that you are grounding yourself right now to breathe, to be present, to receive love, to exhale fear, to receive light, to expel the darkness, that you may be love and light wherever you go. This podcast episode is incredibly personal to me. I have on a veteran on uh, Martin Montoya. He reached out to me a little over a year ago when I first started talking about my own healing journey on another podcast called The Vulnerable Hero, which I did um, 31 episodes on. And he, he and I built this really cool relationship. And I had the honor of interviewing him. This, this man, this, this warrior heart was in, in the Airborne, in the Army Airborne. I'll let him tell a story. Um, but went to Haiti after the earthquake, was in Iraq, and was a medic in the Army. And saw a lot of pain, witnessed a lot of pain, and he himself had gone through a lot of pain. So this episode, to hear him tell his story, the discussion that we get into um, is incredibly beautiful. And my brother, Martin, I am so honored to walk this journey with you. And I know that our conversation will touch many, many souls around the world. Ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, here's the episode. I'm so happy to talk with you. I know, know, me too. You know, my, I told my, my wife said, you know, who you're recording with. Usually, um, usually I do recordings in the morning and, uh, so who are you recording with? I'm like, remember the veteran who reached out to me a long time ago and, <laughs> and she's like, yeah. And you, that really made a big impact to me, man. I just want you to know as I oh, was wow. stepping out, you know, yeah. I have been, I, I feel like my whole life I've never really fit into any any crowd, any particular group. And, oh yeah, I feel and you so on that. When I started doing that Vulnerable Hero podcast, I'm like, okay, what's up? And you, you know, you reached out with such kind words, brother. It really made an impact and it's led me to where I am today. And here you are, and here we're connected. So, thanks for <laughs> thanks for joining, brother. 
Oh, anytime. Thank you. Like I said, uh, yours was like one of the very first podcasts I listened to. And then it's like, I had to reach out to you. That's when I started like actually putting myself out there and talking to people. And I had to let you know, like you really made an impact in my life. Like I had to listen to your words. I'd come and tell my wife, like, Hey, this is what I heard today. Okay. I'm gonna try to implement this. Guess this thing I have now. And it's like, it helped me so much. It really did. I'm grateful for you and your podcast. Thank you, brother. I get that. That's what it's about, man. When I die, that that's all that matters is the impact we make in the lives of, of mm-hmm. others. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, definitely. And I really came around to that knowing, but then like maybe the last five years. So like yeah. I went from boy to man at 25, I feel like I've been telling my wife. So <laughs> brother, tell tell me your story. I mean, start from where you grew up and, and how, what life was like for you growing up and what led you to join the service. And I want to hear really, I just want to hear your story, brother. Well, it's not, I mean, nothing too amazing or too interesting, but uh, as a young kid, like, and now I'm deciphering it more as I'm older, as a young kid, I, I like, uh, like I didn't have a horrible childhood, mm-hmm. but I felt like I was my best friend, like only with it myself. Mm-hmm. My parents didn't know how to parent. And like, so it trickled and that's why I love breaking the generational ties right now. Like yeah. it just feels amazing to feel amazing. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's right. It feels amazing to feel amazing. I love that. That should be a teacher. That's good, man. Yeah. I'm, uh, so when I was younger, I never really, like you said, I never felt like I fit in. I felt like I, know, I, I did fit in, but I, that wasn't me. Like I look back at pictures, I'm like, who was that guy? Hmm. And uh, yeah. like my parents, I'm still trying to, I can't teach them, but they, they weren't, they kept me alive. <laughs> yeah, yeah. and me and my wife know now why I do and act the way I do sometimes and like I've always kept emotions in yeah and I always wanted to be a soldier I tried college and uh I was like yep going to the service <laughs> so I did that and I tested pretty well and I became a medic so I wanted to go ranger I couldn't do that like um because of my eyesight it disqualified wow. me and the guy's like hey I did it so he's like you got good points, go medic, then you can go ranger and all that. And I was like, all right, cool, cool. And then I'm like, what, I'm gonna be a medic? Me, people are gonna trust me with their lives? Like that was just so <laughs> crazy to me as a young age, like yeah. 18, 19 years old, holy moly. Like wow. I'm entrusted with human beings, like human beings' lives. Right. But to this day, I wouldn't have it any other way. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it, uh, out of feel out of a lot of people I went to high school with that, I could have, I could have handled it. But even then, I couldn't handle it. <laughs> and right. I'm learning that now, but I'm able to look at those lessons. Um, so, like, I went from high school. Like, I felt like my whole life I was just kind of guiding through, making it happen. You know, I'm just there. Uh, happiness is our responsibility. But uh, I didn't know that at the time. Like, nobody told me that. Like, I don't know why. Like, you're always looking for it elsewhere yeah. or in somebody else or, like, and that wasn't working for me. <laughs> so I got married. Or I had my oldest daughter and I got married right after like basic training. I was with a, a lady and, you know, that went sour or however you want to say it for better words. Um, we had to do switching after my deployments, my Haiti and Iraq deployment. I went to those places. Wow. When I was in Haiti, my oldest daughter I went to Haiti in January, 2010. And then my oldest daughter was born April 28, 2010. So I actually wow, left wow. Haiti a month or two early. And uh, that was crazy. 
Because <laughs> yeah. in Haiti, I was thrown in there if it was for that earthquake. Right, right. Uh, and, uh, January 12th, I think the earthquake happened or something like that. We were out there by January 17th. So I was just, uh, there was a lot of gruesome stuff. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I get think yeah, nightmares. Yeah. I've told some people at work and they're like, damn, Montoya, I thought I saw some stuff. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. So dealing with that at 18, 19 years old, you know what I mean? Like, hmm. how do you? <laughs> right, right. When I don't even know how to deal with my emotions, like right. how to be a man or a boy or right. anything. And now I'm a bit too, about to be a father and now I'm dealing with all this death too. So that's kind of when I started like, I don't know if you could say looking inward, but like really just staying inward, staying with myself, in myself. Mm. Don't let nobody in. Don't let nobody near you. And uh, mm. that never worked for anybody. Right. But um, I went to Iraq, you know, did some things there. Got blown up a few times, worked on people. Like, uh, not, not, no glory, you know what I mean? Just there trying to do our thing. And I felt like I could have been a lot more conscious in those deployments. There was so much around me, so much still that's beautiful that I appreciate today. Mm. But then I wish like I was taking pictures and talking to people and doing my writing like I always wanted to do. I've always been into books, but mm. like somewhere along the way, I lost myself. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So now at 30, I feel like 30s are going to be my best years yet. Like that's I'm cool. happy and it's all my responsibility. Real quick, just going back to, so as a medic, how does, cause I want to get into your deployments and I want to get into okay. all that, but just to, for people listening, even for my own understanding. So how does that work? You go to basic training, they, you test yep. as medic and then you, did you go to ranger school after that or? No, it was an aspiration or so, or so of mine, but I went to medical school or no, I went to basic training eight weeks uh-huh. and then I, uh, because of my physical fitness, I acquired an airborne contract. Okay, airborne. Yes, that's right. Yeah, so then I went to my medical school, and that is 16 weeks. First eight weeks, you get your EMTB. Second eight weeks, you get your combat medical training. Wow. And uh, then after that, I went to airborne school. And then after airborne school, I went to my unit. And then two weeks into my unit, I was in Haiti. So had like you jumped, ex- had you uh, jumped out of an airplane before airborne school? Oh no, I hadn't done nothing but scrape my elbows and knees, you know, doing bicycles and skateboards and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> what was, yeah. uh, what was that like for the very first time? Just. Oh, it was awesome. I lucked out too. I got, I got first man on one of my first jumps too. So wow. you're there with the gym man. He's looking out the door, hanging out, trying to look for the drop zone. And I'm right there, right behind him. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> And they slap you on the bottom and you just say, okay, best you can do and jump out. It's awesome. I'm still looking for that adrenaline rush now. But the little one that's a little sneaker, she says she wants to jump out of plane. So eventually when she's old enough. (laughs) That's so cool. You get to do a tandem with her someday. I know. That'd be awesome. And see with the the airborne in the army, though, it's only 800 feet. So it's getting pulled right away. And then you hit within less than a minute, maybe a minute. (laughs) Wow. Wow. Yeah. It's pretty quick. So, in, so you went from, from airborne school to directly to Haiti? Well, to my unit, yeah, for two weeks and then to Haiti. Yep. During Christmas, right after, I was on Christmas break and they're like, what, what are you doing here? I'm like, they brought me here. Like, I need to go get my, at the time, my ex-wife, I need to go get her. She's pregnant. And they're like, what? Wow. So I got her there and then 
within she had like a futon and like a 23 inch tv and i was like i gotta go to this place called haiti (laughs) and she was pregnant at the time so it was it was pretty hectic you know crazy military life yeah every family in the military has those crazy stories where they had to a lot of women had to pack up themselves and crazy stuff (laughs) a lot of a lot of sacrifice which indeed that's why that's a perfect word for it brother and this is why and thank you for even sharing i want to keep going but everyone listening I, I have a lot, in fact, and I even count you as one of these brothers, but I have a lot of friends that are combat veteran. Like I have a lot of warrior. I'm surrounded by warriors. <laughs> and even I, I You're just a warrior a, yourself. Well, that's it, brother. <laughs> You're the mightiest of warriors. Thank you, brother. Thank you. The sacrifice, you know, when people say thank you for your service or thank you for serving, what we need to remember is every single person that willingly signed up for the military willingly was willing (laughs) to give their life. Mm -hmm. And so that sacrifice of service, it it, serving is one thing. It's the word is not accurate. The sentiment might be accurate or appropriate, but Mm -hmm. you sacrifice your relationship with your first wife, you sacrifice, you know, all there is so much sacrifice. So, Perhaps we can start saying thank you for your sacrifice to our servicemen and women and our veterans because that's truly what it is, brother. Wow, oh, that is. That's it, even. That's. I've never even thought of it that way. That's actually a phenomenal way to put I've, it. I've been talking about this lately, because um, you know I have vulnerable heroes and the, the vulnerable hero podcast and stuff. But I really pared it down because I wasn't sure where I wanted to take it. But what I'm clear about doing with vulnerable heroes now is, is focusing solely on veterans and my idea is having a an emotional boot camp when men and women leave the armed services so when they leave they come to the emotional training boot camp that um and i've been working with some people um the head of the va in new mexico or one of the the medical people um i'll have to connect you with him he's wow that's awesome cool guy and another another awesome veteran but yeah, there's a, it, we, we talked about this. It's, service is, it's not it. And I know a lot of, oh, yeah. like, yeah, you know, it's nice. But, and what my, what these two people were talking about on, on my call the other night, they're like, when you say thank you to your service to someone who's still like you're saying, the gnarliest stuff that people can't even fathom you're internalizing it and someone's saying thank you for your service and you're still like uh you know i don't even know (laughs) what i'm dealing with but you know cool and so anyway i just want to honor you for that and just say thank you for the sacrifice thank you but you know what i love it that way that's beautifully put here's a here's an encouragement for you okay this old british preacher said this this saying and i've never forgotten it he said (laughs) the altar with no sacrifice receives no fire oh wow yeah the altar with no sacrifice receives no fire that fire that the light the kindled flame that now you see and you can cultivate and you know you do that internal work that's where that is birth from is the sacrifice and a lot of people are are afraid fear keeps people from sacrificing fear keeps people down to a non-living life Mm -hmm. 
But when we sacrifice or when we go through that and we face that which we're most afraid of and jump out or go through or whatever that is, brother, that's where the fire is on the other side. That's where <laughs> life is on the other exactly, side. Yeah, you know? exactly. Yep. Talk about your experience at Haiti. I mean, what, first of all, my question to you is what was that like knowing the distance of Haiti is so close to the United States, but worldwide could be yeah. on the other side of the planet. What was that like for you? Oh yeah. And the Dominican Republic is just right on the other side of that beautiful mountain that was there in Haiti. So like wow. vacations yeah. there. And then these people are over here, like, um, miserable, like, not miserable, not even that. They're just, they're suffering. suffering they yeah. were still happy people. And like, I've said this for a while more before I was healing, you know, on the higher journey, higher up <laughs> steps of my healing process. Like I respect the Haitian people and like the Iraqi people a lot more than I've respected a lot of Americans. Like, yeah. Well, I, and I, why, I, why is, and why is that? Talk about that. That's powerful. Because they, they make the best out of everything. They still have a smile. They're still mm. grateful. They know family is first and foremost. Like, mm. I was there and they were still smiling. They were still joking with us. They were restarting their new lives, rebuilding out of the old rubble. Like they were um, full of life. Like they lived. And I can say that for both cultures and they were both torn cultures. Like yeah, yeah. they're just full of hmm. life. And I'm like, what do I have to be sad about? Hmm. Really? Like <laughs> when these people made the best out of the worst and like, I'm in America and sad, like, so what I did something like, yeah. So now turn that something into something better, like use yeah. those experiences. And like, I feel like, I think it was you. Yeah, it was you. I heard it from, um, I think it was your buddy. I said it too. I don't know. You could probably, uh, verify this for me, but be the sheepdog. Oh yeah. The sheep. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Be the yeah. sheepdog. And that's like, right. that's always just sat with me too. Like, that's what my duty is now here. That's right. <laughs> sheepdog to guide, to heal others, to teach, to, you know what I mean? That's, that's right. How I feel. That's just what it and is. And for everyone listening, my my buddy um, Larry, who was a ten-year uh, Navy SEAL um, veteran, medically retired after ten years, he said, "There's sheep, there's wolves, and there's sheepdogs." And he said, "Sheepdogs mm -hmm. have the exact same ability as a wolf. They mm -hmm. they can inflict as much danger and pain and violence as quickly as a wolf can, mm -hmm. but the difference is." the sheepdog uses that power and that ability to protect the sheep where the wolf goes to try to hurt the sheep. And, and I'm a sheepdog, you're a sheepdog brother. And we got, we got a, a powerful force of sheepdogs waking up. And I think it's the, you know, we're talking about, we're in the great awakening right now mm -hmm. and it's in, you know, the Bible says Genesis one says in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And then mm -hmm. Genesis one, two says and the earth was without form and void and darkness was upon the face of the deep and the spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And Genesis one, three says, and God said, let there be light. And there was light. Mm -hmm. What I, what we are experiencing and why I'm so proud of you and just thankful for to be on this podcast <laughs> with you, brother, is you got to go experience and, and I'm not, this is not a judgment of Iraqi culture, Haitian culture or American culture in that anyone's good or bad, but what you did get to witness is darkness, the absence. And then when people have darkness, that's when they can truly choose light because mm -hmm. in light, like right now, if I turn my cell phone light on, I have these lights in the studio on, I have my monitor light on. 
I have the light bulbs. They're all different colors. They're all different lumens. They're all different temperatures. You know, we mm-hmm. don't really know what's light. Not one source kind of draws our eyes, but when the lights go out, every, <laughs> if I turn my cell phone light on, everyone would look. Exactly. And that is a gift. The darkness is actually a gift that people have been conditioned to be afraid of the dark because truly bad things happen, you know, usually mm-hmm. in the dark. It's not like criminals are operating in the light of day. They operate in the darkness of night. However, when we realize that in the light or in the darkness, we are the light that I work with guys at the men's retreat and I say, look, I want you to find your source of light inside you. Do you find it? And they're like, yeah, I find it. I say, okay, now imagine you have a dial on your, your diaphragm right now or your gut. I'm like, it's at one. I want you to crank it to three. And I'm like, mm-hmm. crank it to three. And I'm like, you feel that? And they're like, yeah. I'm like, now turn it to six. And they like, turn it like, <laughs> I'm like, you feel that? I'm like, now rip it to 10. Yeah. I'm like, you feel that? I'm like, just acknowledging and thinking of it. You viscerally can feel, oh, I am powerful. Oh, yeah. We are powerful beings. We can Yes. Solomon said, life and death is in the power of the tongue and they that love it shall defruit thereof. If I speak life, life is created. If I speak death, yes. death is created. Yeah, exactly. Oh, that is the truest thing. Anything that comes from your mouth, like it's like they say spelling, casting spells, putting it out there, your intentions, manifesting, yes. all that is real. Once I changed my mindset, I started, you know, thinking positive, being happier and like, that's not without the help of my amazing wife. Like if it wasn't for her, I would not be where I'm at today. But once I started thinking positive, everything just, it feels like starts falling into play. This opportunity, this happens. It's just like, everybody needs to be taught that they say you can be whatever you can, but they don't say you can be whatever you want, do whatever you want to do. As long as you're, I don't know, diligent in your mindset, like, yeah. And yeah. your intense, your intentions are pure. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, I guess like, I've never really been into the Bible or the book and all that. Yeah. Cause as a kid, I was pushed into it and I was that kid. I questioned everything and yeah, the sister yeah. did not like that because I made it to catechism and I was always in the office. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that kind of ruined it for me, but I've always read everything else. I've d- dived into it and it's just like your ability to remember all that. It, to me is phenomenal. It's beautiful. Like it's amazing that you can remember all that. And it, it's just lessons too. Like I'm coming back to it. I have it right here. Cause I know I was going to get some wisdom from you. So I wanted to mark it. <laughs> I love it, brother. And uh, it's just like, there's so many lessons. I've even told my mom, maybe we should start going. I haven't done it yet, but just mm. so many lessons. And when people are able to speak it like yourself, it's, it's not like, you're trying to push it upon us. You're giving us the lessons that are yeah, there for that's us. It. That's it. The, you know, I would say you don't have to go. You just have to read. You don't have to go anywhere. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Everything that you need is. But sometimes it's good. To, like Mike has to have someone like you. Yeah, yeah. So you cut it. out a little bit there. I thought you no, no, it's all good. But yeah, I see what you're saying. Yeah, to have that, to have that. Uh, but you know, just like things started to align when you put it in alignment, you know, mm-hmm. and when you went in alignment, when you read that, what I tell people is <clears throat> people with the Bible and I love all texts, religious, spiritual texts. I mean, I, you know, but Indeed. I, what I love about the Bible is the authority that it comes with. Now people have an issue with the authority that it comes <laughs> with because people, you know, because usually authoritarians or abusive proponents or, or just 
unhealed people use yeah. the power of the authority to manipulate, control, mm-hmm. abuse um, people that are not yet fully in their own power. But what I love about the Bible is even if you disagree with when, what you read, it is a, it's, it's, it's like a constant mirror of what's inside us. It's like, you know, like, I don't know if I like that. Well, why? I was then what, why in you are you triggered? Because isn't all information neutral? It's like, I finished the satanic Bible this year. I finished the Quran. I read, you know, like I read all these things like, okay, I see things. I'm like, ah, you know, I don't know if that, that doesn't serve. That's not service to others. That's not based in love, but okay. I can see it and I'm not triggered, but that's so awesome we can be at that place where it's like, Hey, this is neutral. And I read it. And then I see what's inside me, not, Oh, what do I need to fit to believe this? And mm-hmm. I, I, anyway, that's why I think of the Bible is such a powerful tool because it's not so much how much uh, of the Bible do you have in you or how much are you in the Bible? It's so much. What's the Bible saying about what's in you? Mm-hmm. You know, anyway, I just uh, going on Indeed. a little side note there, but um, totally. That's what I love about it too is the lessons, and you, you said yeah. it's a perfect tool. And that, yeah. as a father, that is my goal is to not give him everything I never had because I can give him this and this, but it's to give him the toolbox that I never had, yes. the tools that I never had, and like that's I think you said it with uh, Christian Armstrong. Oh yeah, yeah, we Rev the Rev Armstrong, fathers. yeah, Christian Armstrong. We get to. Be fathers that encourage other fathers to be men. You said that in his interview, and I was just like, oh, "Indeed, yes." I see that so much, and like I've distanced myself from, from so many people because their fathering skills. It's just like I'm no one to judge, but like, dude, come on. <laughs> it, it is. It is hard. Um, it is hard. You know, when we're not he- when we don't do the inner work to heal. Look, you're for sure just even seeing your your two beautiful daughters right there for a second. I, I know just by looking at them that all they want to do, they, they look at you, you are, <laughs> you are the hero to these precious girls. And when children act up, do they want to be sternly corrected, hit, intimidated, or do they want us? Do they just want to be held? loved? Loved. <laughs> Literally to love the shit out of someone loved. is the greatest way. Just love them. Love them, exactly. love them and, and listen to even to get oh. down to their level and just listen to them. Like yes. it's, yes. it's harder to do sometimes, but yeah, just love like these girls. I had girls for a reason being a man, a, a, a broken and hurt man. I had girls for a reason. I say all the time, the universe, God, whoever you want to say, gave me these girls yeah. to calm my stuff down and teach these little girls what a real man's supposed to be like. Cause I never learned that. So I'm learning with my wife and she's helping to guide me tremendously. And as are they, like everybody's learning from each other. It's beautiful. That's what family's about. That's right. Bro. And, and uh, like just seeing their faces, trying then when they're ready to learn, they're asking questions, everything. It's just like, why wouldn't I want to be there yeah. teaching them at their level and them to want to come to me and totally be comfortable. Like, Right. I never had that. I never felt comfortable. So like with them, I hope they feel comfortable entirely. And me and the wife talk about parenting skills back and forth, this and that. Mm-hmm. And my oldest didn't see me up until like 
she saw like the worst of me at five, you know what I mean? Like up in like the last five years or so I've been stepping it up and I'm proud of that and really proud of that. Cause my daughters aren't even like, they just turned 10, my oldest. So they're able to see it their whole adult life. That's beautiful brother. And you know, I, I've been a couple of years ago, I learned a lot about soul contracts in that because I was studying with a really good friend, a Hasidic rabbi, and we were studying every week for three years. And, and I started asking him all these questions. Like he, he was talking about the three stages of the soul in Judaism, that our soul exists in three forms. It exists before our body. Mm-hmm. Cause that can make sense. Like, okay, our soul. And in Judaism, they talk about our soul, which in Hebrew is neshama, which means breath. And it says in the Bible, God breathed into man and man became a living soul. So, okay, our soul is like part of God. That's where it's like namaste Mm. saying the divine spark in me (laughs) honors the divine spark in you because it's all the same divinity. It all goes back to the same source. Yeah. So he was teaching the the soul before the body, the soul during the body and the soul after the body. And uh, along around the same time, uh, another friend, of mine uh, who was a coach I hired her as a coach became friends but I, I don't know if you heard the podcast with Gordana Birnett but she and I she was talking about soul contracts and she was teaching about soul contracts and she said like my wife and I just like your wife and I like all people listening the people that are closest to you, you made soul contracts with so um like my children and I just as your daughters and you made soul contracts and they said we said before we entered the body all right you're going to go through what you're going to go through you cho- you're going to choose it but i'm going to choose to be your daughter at that time and i'm going to love you and i'm going to be a reflection of your prior and after healing and i will love you you are going to feel the love of that soul contract from a daughter who was able to witness the pain to the healing mm-hmm. and that is a profound gift and when we can understand <laughs> even like my abuser he and i had a we had a soul agreement and that's where he did his job because his job made me who i am yeah that's yeah that's crazy wow yeah when you look at it, it that crazy, way but that's where it says and this is not to make it all about the bible but it does say in, in romans 8 chapter chapter 8 verse 8 it says and we know all things work together for good to mm-hmm. them who love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. And, and how I, you know, people have the issue with the word God, just replace God with loved. If you love love, <laughs> you know yeah. love loves you. Yeah, exactly. And all things work together for our good. I mean, mm-hmm. I would not be the person that I was had I not gone through the absolute vile darkness that I went through exactly, to yeah. bring forth this and same with you. And, and, what beautiful stories that your, your oldest specifically will be able to mm-hmm. share. Like, man, my daddy changed. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's powerful, brother. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And like, I'm I, the way I look at it too, is setting the standard for them. You know what I mean? They hmm. hopefully as me being a father and a, a healed father at that, like they'll be yeah. able to choose a partner that is worthy of their love. If you put it that hmm. way. And like they don't have to do too much like my wife is doing with me and <laughs> having to totally rebuild me. But you've heard my story. I mean, my wife too with me, man. It's uh, it's um, but that's but 
you and her had a soul agreement and my wife and I had a soul agreement and that's just part of us. And when we don't see it like that, I think it can be very easy for people to um, quickly judge and cut people off. It's like, well, Mm -hmm. you've done that. You're, you're, you are this as opposed to like, walk with me. Like I'm, I'm trying, I'm not, I'm not a, I'm trying my best, you know, like, and that's Mm -hmm. where I've talked so much about hurt people, hurt people, healthy people, heal people. It's like, if we're hurt, even with our greatest intentions, we're just going to hurt people. Oh, exactly. Oh, yeah. 100%. But, but no one wants to hurt. So no. <laughs> we have that courage to heal and then, you know, walk alongside each other. That's, that's beautiful. Yeah, it's not easy healing either. Like they say in that military, be, get comfortable being uncomfortable. Yeah. That's the same with healing. Exactly the same with healing. That's right. <laughs> that's right. It, because that, that my same rabbi friend, he said, have you ever seen a bird? He asked me, have you ever seen a bird fly with one wing? And I said, no. He said, exactly. It takes both wings to create the tension. And then the tension creates the lift. So that uncomfortableness is actually where growth happens. It's going <laughs> into that, you know. And, oh, yeah. And my and, wife helped drill that too. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Get, I mean, be uncomfortable. You're not, you're not, like, I don't know. She's just like, I can't even explain how big of a savior she was my angel man like Mm. there's a soul contract but then i think she was just sent down (laughs) for me (laughs) that's awesome (laughs) no brother i i i get it i remember um i mean i had an emotional affair i i I was struggling you know i I mean Mm -hmm. bro I, i was i was struggling i was really struggling and i was I went to, I've talked about this and you probably have heard this, but I was, I went down, I was two years in therapy. I started having these flashbacks and that's when all the pain like started to come out, all the confusion, all this like just deep, intense, like horrible stuff. And um, I was going to therapy for two years, but that, 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 that wasn't cutting it because it kept talking about the same it was just like recycling the same stuff um but when i went down to this emotional intelligence program which which i counted for saving my life and my navy seal buddy you know told me about it i was going to commit suicide had it 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 didn't that was it that was the last thing i in fact i because of what happened with my family like we we carry everywhere i go and i remember before i was such struggling because i was in therapy like two years i'm still struggling with all stuff and the suicidal thoughts never left and i was i just felt lost i was angry i was angry at god i was angry at everyone i was angry at myself i i had tried i thought in my own strength everything why can i not get this out of me like what was wrong with me i thought maybe i was just broken like i wasn't wired right or or you know i remember crying in Microsoft as they were a client and I'm in the cafeteria and I'm calling, I'm on the phone with my buddy and I'm getting choked up hundreds of people around me. And I'm like, I don't belong here. I'm not like these people. And he's like, no, no, man, you, you fit in. You're smart. I'm like, no, something's not right with me. I don't, I'm broken. Like my mind's not wired. Right. And he's like, no, no, it's fine. And thank God two weeks later, I went to that emotional intelligence training but I, I remember specifically having my hand on my center console thinking, if this doesn't work, I'm not coming back. This is it. This is it. So I share that to say, brother, that share that to say 
when I came back talking about your wife and, and being a savior for you, when I came back from that emotional intelligence training, I'm walking down the stairs of my house and then I'm two years into my journey. In fact, my wife and I celebrated 14 years of marriage um, this week. So that congratulations. Thank you, brother. Yeah. Thanks. Wow. That's beautiful. Um, but I'm walking down the stairs and she'd stuck with me through all of the pain and the flashbacks and the, we were getting stalked by our family. I mean, it got, it got, it got crazy and scary, and, but I'm walking down the stairs and she, we had this, um, daylight basement. She's sitting on the couch. So as I'm walking down the stairs, I can see her kind of, you know, above the plane and it just hit me. You love, me. I said, you love me. <laughs> And she's like, what are you talking about? Of course I love you. I'm like, no, I get choked up right now. Like you, yeah, you love me. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> cause you never loved yourself and she did. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> I, I had the same exact realization out at some point. Yeah. That's beautiful right there. They loved you before you loved yourself. Like, they loved us before we loved ourselves. That's right. Yeah. And what more can we ask for? Like, you got to stick by that forever. That's right. Ever. That's right. That's right. <laughs> I feel you completely. I, I had a realization the same way. And it's just like, sometimes you still have to remind me, like you're in that mindset. You still have your traumas. Like yeah. we're always still healing. We're still growing. Yeah. And she still has to remind me. And I'm like, damn, she does love me. Hmm. <laughs> and it yeah. feels good. It feels yeah. so good yeah. to know that. Like, yeah. cause I'm sure as a kid, you probably felt the same as I like being hurt. Like you, you didn't feel like anybody loved you. You loved yourself. You grew up loving yourself. That's right. That's, That's right. how I felt. That's right. And it was hard too. I didn't like being touched by people. It was, it's, it's a weird thing because I, I craved just to be touched and like held, but I didn't like being touched and mm-hmm. it wasn't a safe feel, feeling. And um, yeah, it's just, uh, you know, that's what I'm talking about. Soul contracts is like, man, we, these, your wife, my wife, they're, they're mm-hmm. saints, literal saints that said, I got, I'm, I'm, you might be, you might be the sheepdog, but I'm the shepherd of all sheepdogs or whatever, you know, like I'm, they're, they're, they're powerful, powerful Queens, you know, powerful queens. indeed. Yes. Brother. Indeed. Like it, yes. <laughs> like my heart is hers. Like it's totally hers. I owe her my life. Like I even, like I said, I mean, I was listening to Christian's, uh, podcast with you also like he said the exact same thing it would probably been uh dead prison or drugs yeah and i was the exact same way and yeah it's a beautiful feeling like we keep saying like you can't get more beautiful than that humans loving humans humans saving humans right. healing together because we help each other heal like it's like but the whole healing process too being vulnerable and reaching out to people like reaching out to you you've become one of my like greatest assets for my mind too like i have questions or the bible like you're able to like i don't know even your your instagram everything is just so powerful so positive so beautiful like you're really a gift to like men too like you are you're a gift to men and it's awesome thanks brother i thank you i thank you it it does mean you know i i mean i'm here to serve you and hear your story but i really it means a lot because you know i'm I left the Christian world. I left all these worlds and, and uh, mm-hmm. sometimes I'm like, all right, I'm just, I'm here. I'm putting this, con- <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm putting this content out. I'm recording these podcasts. I'm doing it like, because I really, one thing I, I'm clear, I've always loved people, man. Mm-hmm. I've, I've never wanted to hurt people. I've never, um, 
and I'm a big dude. I'm I'm almost six four, two forty. Like I'm a big guy. No way, you're yeah. that big. <laughs> yeah, I'm, a, I'm a big dude. And no, like you're almost six four though. Like I, <laughs> yeah. I didn't be a good little a little Hispanic from New Mexico. I thought I was one. Of the, I'm tall here. I'm five ten, and you're six, like five. My wife says she's five eleven, but six four. <laughs> dude, well, six, a, I'm close, almost punching six three and a half, but. Nice, I, you're a Viking. But, <laughs> like, I only share that is my physical stature. I think, you know, it's like I tried to play small for so long because I didn't mm. want to like come across as intimidating or, or be that which I grew up with. But now it's, I find it's such a great gift of fully being my body and then realize I can, you know, Hey, we're safe. I can be a safe. Big teddy bear. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I remember uh, Blake, if you're listening. So Blake came to uh, one of the men's retreats and he thought I was, he thought I was I'm not small. I don't know what he thought, but he didn't think I was as big as I was. So when I got out of the vehicle and I hugged him, he's like, who is this guy? <laughs> oh man. I love it. That's awesome. That's so awesome. And so I want to hear more about um, I want to hear more about Haiti. I also want to hear about Iraq and just first of all, let's let me talk about Haiti. When you're there, just walk me through what it was like um, as far as being with your your brothers in in arms, but also there and you're seeing humanity, like you, you know, like you said, smile and rebuild. What was that like? It was it was all over the place, but at the time I thought it was was handling it pretty decently. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I usually like to start it this way for everybody. <laughs> My first two hours on the tarmac, which is when you land with the airplane, a buddy that had already landed, he saw me out and he's like, "Hey Montoya, come check this out." And one of the doctors was going to do something. He said he's been wanting to try for a while, and then you just hear. He cut open the man's skull because he had wrecked on a motorcycle to relieve pressure. So that was my first couple hours there. <laughs> wow. I'm the new soldier. Wow. So like I didn't know anybody. Wow. So I have to make a name for myself. So I have to volunteer for everything. I'm, you know, um, went from there to this one camp and they put me in from like different platoons. I was all over the place with treatment, with line people. I, like, So I got to walk around the city of Port-au-Prince and, like treat people on the spot and uh, also got to go to the hospital there and work alongside doctors and nurses. A lot of the doctors were all hula for us gowning up and going into the procedures and surgeries and stuff like that. So wow. there's a lot of, I don't even know how to put it. A lot of learning and it's learning that I didn't gain until now. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like yeah. it, all that, like you said, that darkness created the light for me. Yeah. It created the growth inside of me. But I never really, like all that stuff too, like it was so gruesome. Like I had a weird sense of humor and I had to, I feel to yeah. handle you have it. To cope. Yeah, you have to cope with it. Yeah, right. And then I started using that later in life when I got back as like a scare tactic. Like when I started writing my memoirs, I was more writing them to scare people or like induce that fear effect I guess I had or that like just all that gruesomeness like I used I got a kick out of that for some reason and it was horrible like when I started writing my memoirs I was writing them for the wrong reason Mm. I wanted people to see that instead of the growth that I got from it the beauty that I got from it the 
the arc to light like we're talking about so i restarted my whole memoirs after that because that is no way these were humans they were people like i said before and i respect them so much like yeah anytime i see a haitian now i'm like like, like how's it going <laughs> so cool. and it's just like i would love to go back there i would really truly love to go back there and i know somebody who has been doing it but like we've been talking too about the great awakening when you go yeah. down that hole that rabbit hole yeah there's yeah. other things about haiti that don't make sense yeah yeah right I so know. i'm just gonna end it right there yeah, yeah i know and and i i was thinking about do i bring that stuff up but it, it, there's no need people can they'll find that on their own if they go it's re- when i got into it too i was just like yeah what yeah right under our noses too and like everything that goes on is it's just crazy and yeah. Yeah. it's just i would love to go back there like i said like i've thought about that I, before i thought why would i go back why ignorant me mean me <laughs> why would i go back why why who needs to go back there that was an army thing and that's like yes send me please i want to go help i would love to like mm. that's basically what i'm here for like i'm trying to veer out of construction too like i haven't been back to work but i don't want to go back i want to help with the healing process of men and just even work with children start with their young minds and you know get a hold of them before they get those habits that most of us might have got or yeah, that's right. I know how kids grow up without, you know, without the yep. generational time. You can see which ones are going to be on that effect, which is sad to say, but you can't. Right. I, I think I got off tangent there. <laughs> no, no, I'm, tra- I'm tracking with you. Um, um, I, got a fun, I got a funny old dog. We got a 14-year-old. He's deaf and blind. Hold on real quick. Uh, he, uh, he, pushes, he pushes my door open. <laughs> <laughs> a kick. Um, so yeah they're just they're humans they're human beings man you you saw a human what was the was the physical destruction caused by the earthquake is that what oh yeah that, that earthquake completely the buildings, yeah we're falling on people and just, just crushing people and stuff yeah we had to go you know walk through the cities looking for anybody that might still be alive in the rubble or trying to, you know, cover up the horrible scene so that people don't have to walk by it. Um, wow. I don't really want to get into it, but there was this one scene. I still remember it vividly. Kids were just walking up to this watering hole, a natural spring that comes out of a, you know, a wall area. And right there was, there was a, it looked like the people tried to escape from the building and then there was just a hand out the door and they're just walking by and filling it up, walking by and filling up their waters there. And I'm just like, what, what do we do here? Like, wow. So we, we had to just go get whatever we had and cover it. You know what I mean? At least that made like, I don't even know if that was for them more, more for us than them. You know what I mean? Cause they're like, we were seeing the human nature of it. Like they just dealing with it. They're going about their lives. They have to, like they, there's no time for stopping. <laughs> right. Amazing brother. And so you're, what was it like for the other, uh, other guys in your platoon or you know were you did you serve with any um females in your platoon or any or was it mostly men um it was a majority of men because we were an infantry unit um our support yeah. units were women there was women and stuff too um not me directly and like i said when i like when you put it that way and i think about it i was like the new soldier so i wasn't really too into it with many people i mean i kind of bounced around and talked to a few and then became friends after after haiti right but at that point i was still the new soldier so i was just yes sir no sir yes sergeant no sergeant like right away moving like yeah. whatever needed to be done 
and then get the experience too. So how long like was at the hospital? Four months. Wow. I left early. I like I got a, a plane early because my oldest was being born. Right. Right. And that was super difficult because I was also delivering babies and stuff on both sides of the line. You know what I mean? So yeah. like that was really hard to deal with. Even my second daughter, after I was out of the military, I got like really anxious before her birth. And, mm. and my wife could tell, she's like, are you okay? I'm like, yeah, I'll be fine. <laughs> You're giving birth. I'll be fine. It's just, it, it sticks with you. Definitely. But like I said, it was for the better. It was I see the beauty in it now, even through all that destruction. Yeah. Yeah. From, so from Haiti, your, so your oldest is born. And then when did you get deployed to Iraq? A year later. Wow. And what was going on in Iraq at the time? Um, we were supposed to be doing the, the closeout. You know, everybody was closing out. We're supposed to start moving everything back and all that. Um, so we were just patrolling cities, making sure everything stayed, stayed, I guess, within our terms, I guess. I don't know, our playing field. Uh, dealt with a few explosions there that hit before and after our convoys. I helped when I, I was at a call with one of my good, good friends, and uh, he had to work on some people, and there was that whole situation. And then I got to work in the hospital there, too, that we had a few soldiers that came through. So wow. it wasn't... Like all, I don't know how to explain it. All glory or all. Oh yeah, that's not what interesting I, or any of that. that. It's no, just, and that's what I, I wasn't asking you that. Just more like what the the. You know, oh yeah, yeah. No, I understand completely. It was just like then too. I was dealing with other things too, with like my wife, and then being a medic, I'm listening to the other guys. Like they come to dock, <laughs> like they're dealing with things with their wives and their children, and like at home with bills, and like I'm like what what. And I was actually a line medic at the time. I had my own platoon. By the time I went to Iraq, you know what I mean? I made a name for myself or they knew me. So I had 40 men to myself. And at that point, I'm in Iraq still trying to process what I went through, what I did, who I am. And then over there still doing on patrols every day. I had to go on patrols too because I was, you know, the line medic. They even said medics weren't, at that point, weren't going to get leave. I think I was only out there nine months. But yeah, I didn't get leave out there. So I was like always out, always moving, always rolling. Uh, there was a few explosions too I had to deal with on the Iraqi side. I had treat Iraqis and stuff like that. Wow. Um, and like my buddies too. Like uh, it was, when I sit back and look at it now, it was very a really good experience. And like I was telling you before, I wish I had been more involved in myself <laughs> and loving myself because then I could have enjoyed the culture more, enjoyed the people. Like I talked to the interpreters, uh, being a medic, I hung out with them. Yeah. I wish I would have got more pictures. I wish I would have like, I was an angry little guy. <laughs> like, <laughs> like there's so much more I could have done, but I don't know. The, I, those friendships will never, like nothing will ever be stronger than that i feel mm, in a yeah. friendship i made with those guys out there yeah. so that's always the plus always and that was the hardest part getting out too is like you can't make friends like that again right or you can but it's built through the hardships you know yeah. what i mean yeah, it's, yeah it's, i i uh, <clears throat> heard this pastor say one time <coughs> excuse me he said you can be molded two different ways you can be iron or you can be clay if you're going to be uh, iron, 
the only way to uh, mold iron is you dunk it into the fire and just <laughs> but to mold clay you put water on it you give it a nice massage you know you mold it yeah he's like be clay sorry i already started on the metal form <laughs> like but you know the funny thing about that analogy is once you're done beating the iron you dump it you dunk it in water to cool it off and it mm -hmm. hardens it mm -hmm. but to harden the clay after the water you have to put it in the fire. Fire. <laughs> so either way, you're not escaping the fire. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Never. <laughs> yep. Oh, uh -huh. Some of the strongest people, like I'm sure everybody's heard, some of the strongest people you know have been through yeah. some of the craziest stuff. Yeah. I mean, it's just like, once you learn how to heal too, they bring you, it brings you closer. Like you and I, we were meant to meet each other and like other people too. And it's just, it's beautiful. Like, yeah. I can't say that enough. I'm, loving the way I'm living now and the connections I'm making. And it's just a great feeling. Like I said, it feels amazing. Feeling amazing. <laughs> like, yeah. Dude, get it to make t-shirts, man. <laughs> I know. Right. <laughs> oh man. I love it. Um, so and, yeah, go, go. For so it. were you into the Bible before or like you said you'd fallen out, right? So you, you said you were mad with God. So with you, God, that's when yeah. you had kind of given it up. So I was raised, um, I was raised in a Christian home, Christian okay. church, but the abuse was so against everything you learned. And man, I, I, someday I'll tell my, my full story. It's not safe to tell my full story yet, but, um, I will say this, that as soon as I left the house, the smile had to be on. Because if it wasn't on, then later it was on. You know what I mean? And yeah. and uh, so everyone thought that we had the perfect family. Everyone thought that that. In fact, a couple of years ago, a buddy of mine said, "I judged my family against your family," and I'm like, "Bro, you know, it, anyone that was like, oh, they have the perfect family, bull." <laughs> mm -hmm. You know, perfect family doesn't project perfection. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> Our family's like, hey, man, this is what we are. This is how we roll. Like, yep. um, and when you you see, oh, they had the perfect family, but behind the scenes, there was, <laughs> you know, in these eyes held secrets. Yep, but, yep. yep. Mm. And so, I've always loved God. That is that is one thing that I've is my earliest memories. I remember the house we lived in. I was probably five years old and there's records playing of this guy and Keith Green and I'm listening to the music and I just like connected with it like I I have always had this love for God and in the abuse I would disassociate I would be with God like you know like my crown chakra has always wow. been like blown open but my yeah. root chakra was not even I it stopped about like I barely had my throat shock or everything else was like misaligned or dead really. And so I could fly out and come back and, you know, I wouldn't feel anything. Um, wow. And so I, I always loved God and I was a, 
I always love guy that yeah, I will see, I will share. I'm, I'm going to be direct in my sharing. I'd go to church camp and I'd have these like really powerful, profound experiences. And now I look back why, in fact, there's one specific, I, I went to church camp one time, but I had this <laughs> profound experience where I was crying. I couldn't stop crying. And, and people are like, Oh, you got the spirit of the Lord. And I'm like, I don't know, but I, I was just, crying and i know why now because i felt loved because i was loved there that is just like they no one i didn't have to be or do anything i didn't have to act i didn't have to hide anymore who i was i just could be i was safe and when i was 19 years old i was in i was getting pretty heavy in church Cause I thought it was the right path. Like, you know, I was raised like hardcore. I had a Catholic dad, a Jewish mom, um, this, but my raised in this evangelical home, <laughs> it's very confusing. Uh, I was like, yeah. it was chaos. I'm one of mm-hmm. 38 first cousins. All they're all Roman Catholic, like staunch militant wow. Roman Catholic. My brother and I are these non Catholics in this like big family. Um, and it was just confusing. So I was just trying to find God through that Christian path because I thought that was, that was the path. Um, but when I was 20 and I, I, I couldn't take it any longer. I mean, literally I could not, uh, I could not take it any longer. I tried to kill myself this night when I lit legitly God intervened in my life that night and showed himself. I, I, no one, there's a saying by A.W. Tozer, this old pastor, he said, a man with an experience is never at the mercy of a man with an argument. And that night I experienced God and no one could ever tell me, oh, they're not God. Well, I'm not pushing anything on anyone. That is what I want. Be your path. But let me tell you, God intervened in my path that night. However, I completely shut off my memory, my, my access to my memories prior to that night. And so what I would tell people is I had, I died that night, even though I didn't physically die, I literally died when I had a born again experience. And I, something happened that night where my brain, I'm laughing because it's kind of funny sounding, but like my brain broke open. So I can, I could remember, I could never remember anything. I was like the class clown growing up. I was like mm-hmm. always getting drunk, but my, my brain broke open that night and I could remember. I got this like weird, not photographic memory, but like I could, re, I could recite, I could read it and then recite it. Um, so I started consuming I, and i was partying i was dating these you know these gals and after that night i i stopped hanging out with anyone and everyone for a year and a half i didn't go out on a weekend i read the bible and i start reading and reading and reading and reading and reading 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 consuming and i started fasting and what i was doing was i still hated myself and it was a weird way and, and sorry if it's a long story but no no I, go ahead because I wasn't healed because I didn't heal because I didn't have anyone to like, I, a, I was shame. I felt a lot of shame around that. I tried to take my life. So I kept mm-hmm. it pretty close to me and, and people just thought I would became a recluse. And 
Um, but I still hated myself. And, you know, when you're abused, you don't look at the person and say, what's wrong with you? Why would you do this to me? You look at yourself and say, what's wrong with me? Mm-hmm. They're doing this to me. There's something wrong with me. And um, so I put all that intensity into seeking God in the Christian path, but I was still angry at the Christian church because it's so fake. It's so like, if you say the right things and you do, Oh, you God bless you. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, everyone's like, Oh, you know, hi, I'll be praying for you. And like behind the scenes, like no one was like, and I was like, I'm going to like, see what's happening like Mm -hmm. so i started reading i can give you dissertation all the denominations and the reformation and all the church fathers and i was starting to like consume everything like trying to put the pieces together like what what is all this what is happening and i started doing ministry and became a preacher and because I could recite so much scripture, I became like a verbal assassin where I'd be like, mm. <laughs> like yes. I, mean, I came at him like a tornado. But now in hindsight, all that ferociousness that like the anger that I wanted to direct at my abuser, I put it into breaking people like in a different way and thinking I was doing a service to God. And God's going to work all that out for all those people, you know, they're on their path and, and, you know, whatever, but I don't, I don't minimize it. I'm just saying like, I didn't, you know, God's, their path is their path. I was encountering them at that time for whatever reason. And, and, um, and uh, I've had some beautiful reconciliations since, and I know it's a long story, but I, w- I want to fill this. That's absolutely I beautiful. Never, thank you for sharing. Like, well, thank you. Brother, well, because I never looked before 20, I meet my wife, we get married, I'm a TV reporter, I move different markets, I'm climbing, and, and keep in mind, I have not addressed one memory prior to 20 years mm-hmm, old. Mm-hmm. And I would loosely talk about some stuff and, and then I come back uh, to Seattle, I start a business, my wife and I are working into this and I put the same energy to, I, that I put into the Christian world I put into my business and I was all I was trying to do is just find what the truth is and, and prove that I am lovable, you know, like worthy, like I forgot my wife's birthday one. I mean, I've made wow. all the mistakes, brother. There's nothing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I am never going to try to tell anyone like, man, we all hurt people, hurt people. That's it. And I was a hurting person. And I hurt a lot of people. Um, when I went to that emotional intelligence training, when I started having flashbacks and, it, and I had read the Bible cover to cover seven times, I had fasted from Sunday night to Tuesday morning without exception for five years in a row. I had never missed a morning or night praying on my knees. I had never missed a morning or night reading the Bible. Even if I was buzzed like hardcore and it was two in the morning, I would at least read a few verses Cause I thought, well, it's cleaning me like spiritually. It must be cleaning me. Cause I always felt dirty, but I, I was praying like, God, kill me, kill the pride, the, like rip the roots of sin in my heart. Like kill me. Like I was praying this, like I hated myself so much that I thought if I just could finally die while living, maybe God could like fill me 
and I'd finally be like at peace. I just wanted to like, that's right. <sighs> but I've learned that I would just carry the abuse onto myself. Like no one needed to hit me or gaslight me anymore or, or you know, touch me. I, I was doing it to myself. I was beating myself up spiritually and, mm-hmm. and, um, never shared in this much detail, but it was when I started having those flashbacks and integrating back, I was back first person in those memories. I, I, it was, uh, it was really gnarly. Um, that's when I started to understand the love of God in the weirdest way. And I, I wrote something the other day. I said, to find the love of God, you first must seek the God of love. And I was mm-hmm. seeking anything but the God of love. I was mm-hmm. seeking the God of, of vindication, the God of justice, the God of, you know, whatever righteousness or truth or, or the God of the right path or whatever, you know, but I wasn't, I just wanted to be loved, man. I just want to like, mm-hmm. someone tell me I don't have to run anymore. I don't have to strive anymore. I don't have to, do anything anymore. I don't have to learn another thing. I don't have to be smart or articulate. I could be burnt in a fire, crisp in a wheelchair, breathing out of an air tube. And someone would still say, you're so beautiful. You're so worthy. You're so lovable. Like that is what woke me up. Like that is love. That is love. Indeed, yeah. Oh, brother. And that is, that has been my path where I, I love God still with every fiber of my being, but I'm not trying to make a deal with them anymore. I'm not trying to say, if I believe these certain things, will you send me to this place and, and people that don't believe this, they're not going to that place. So trying to convince people when all it is, is man, we just need to heal, become vulnerable, receive the love, call it the love of God, call it love of spirit, call it sword, whatever. When we are open up and God, look, I read this book. I've talked about this on the podcast and sorry, I'm talking a lot, brother. And I want to, that was beautiful. Thank you for sharing. I really appreciate that. My brother, my pleasure. There's this, uh, rabbi trying to find the book. Oh, encounters. That's the book. But this rabbi wrote a funny thing. He said, he said, it is right to tell the atheist, the same God you do not believe in. I do not believe in either. <laughs> he's saying that no one can know God. God is beyond our thoughts. You know, the, you know, the origin of all that is before what is, mm-hmm. is, you know, what I mean? <laughs> that is too great of fathom, but all we know of God is the love that we can receive, mm-hmm. the healing that we can receive, the peace, the joy, the, you know, I have these words up on my wall, the love, joy, peace, mm-hmm. love, suffering, goodness, gentle faith, temperance, meekness, like, that's and that's beautiful. the 5D reality that we're walking into. That, that is 5D. Yes. 5D is incorporating love and light where. Exactly. <sighs> where it's missing everywhere. That's just, it's. Like you say, yeah, we just need a love. Like, and I've just come to that too, maybe within the last two years. <laughs> yeah. Like what helped me too is uh, you always say hurt people, hurt people. That yeah. stuck with me. And then as within, so without, if you want to get into the hermeticism, yes. I was ugly inside. So I was projecting that ugliness outside. So yes. like how on earth was I ever going to heal or do anything? Like I was just putting more ugly out there and getting mad about all the ugly out there and then being even more ugly. <laughs> like, And that it's so interesting. The cycle, that's what I talk about breaking cycles. It's, mm-hmm. 
we don't like what's in us, but we think it's outside of us that we don't yeah, like. So we yeah, keep, exactly. not, keep not liking it. <laughs> it oh. does. Yeah. That's what I used to say too. I used to, uh, I don't even like to use the word H word anymore. Like I really dislike using that word. And, uh, so I used to really say how much I disliked human beings when it was the entire and complete opposite. Mm. I love human beings. And as much as I love to read my books, yes, every yes. human being is a book, like it, but I don't have to read them. They can tell me their story. <laughs> so, good. so it's just, uh, it feels good to, you know, just want to be out there. Like everybody in our culture and society, everybody's trying to stay to themselves for some reason. I don't, and my perspective, I guess people are just, stuck inward yeah it that's why i love talking to you the healing man to man too like i got this with maybe one or two other people but like with you and i like this is just straight um unadulterated love (laughs) like unadulterated uh that's right just men healing yeah it is. And, and I do love you. And you know that I've reached out to yeah, you. I think definitely. about you once in a while, man. Like, oh, that's <laughs> And this is uh, everyone listen. This is the first time we've ever t- spoken, you know? And, yeah. And, uh, but it's, I'm, I'm so proud of you. And um, appreciate that. Talking about people stuck to themselves, it, you know, the, I'm going to say it. People might unfollow me or not like it, but I cannot stand the masks right now okay i just i i I, and i don't understand the mindset i don't understand the fear and i said to someone the other day i'm like what i tell people is let's get sick and let's get over it yeah exactly when do we become afraid of sick we're not afraid of flu season we're not afraid of any other season like let us get it and heal Mm -hmm. but that's not a popular thing to say (laughs) And people's response. Oh, I've been saying it. I've gotten into some heated arguments and it's just like, at the end of the day, all I can tell him is I was just be healthy, take care of yourself. You have nothing to worry about. And if you're wearing yours, then me not wearing mine shouldn't matter. Exactly. And, and someone said, you don't have a right to get me sick. I said, you don't have a right to not get me sick. Because right. <laughs> I want to get, I want to get in, get over it. <laughs> but, but, uh, why I'm bringing that up, and I know it's triggering probably a gazillion people listening, but uh. <laughs> it's also a physical manifestation of the inward life that people have. They're so mm-hmm. afraid and st- stuck, and <laughs> and this is where the sovereignty of the human being is for me matters more than anything that you Mm. when you heal you have regained your sovereignty you have Mm -hmm. gained no king no power nothing is greater than you in you yes sir oh that's it oh yeah but yet i look at people right now that they've abdicated their their sovereign sentient beingness to people that they've never met in person they don't know what their private life is like mm-hmm. they and i just told my story people thought i grew up in the perfect home and i can tell you it was the absolute opposite mm-hmm. but yet people are accepting this projection of, of the facade of of authoritarianism or and what mm-hmm. how what it shows to me and i just to tie it back to what you're saying if, if people tie it closely together and not um, sharing their story. It just shows me that there's a lot more trauma to heal because if someone 
is listening to an authority figure right now, that's because an authority figure at a childhood time in their life intimidated them and probably hit them, scorned them, took something away and traumatized that child to the point where now this childhood trauma is being resurfaced. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, the great awakening is a William Wallace quote from Braveheart, all men die, but not all men truly live and let us live. Yes. I would rather live a day more fully than a year more subdued and subjected to fear preach my brother preach (laughs) you are totally correct yeah it's just that that's where we all have to trust in each other like if it was meant to be it was meant to be whether you believe in god or the universe buddha that's right if if you it's your time it's your time there's nothing that anybody can do about it no spell no powers of be no money your time your time it's just to divide us it's like yeah it's divide and conquer right now. And like, I don't know why people are allowing that instead of just loving, like they want to have their opinions out there. Although I'm better. No, I'm better. No, I'm good. It's just like, I love you. Right. That's it. Like if you did more people did that too, just showered people with love. That's right. There'd be a lot of uh, confused people. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. Well, you know, I, I want to, um, because I've been watching, you know, your, your journey of using your voice more. I, I want to share with you this vision that I had, or it was a dream, but it was very real for me that, and it, this is so interesting um, for me, <laughs> tying these two dreams together. My greatest fear before my flashbacks and my trauma was that someday I would be called to speak, but no words would come out of my mouth. And it scared, it, it like scared me that I like, I could, it was like mute. I couldn't speak, but I had to speak. It was this weird dream. And I was like freak. I had this panic. And, and now I had this dream a year ago. It was very similar. And I tied these two together just right now really is the thing. When I spoke in my dream, fire came out and it burned all the draw, like it burned everything away off people. What shouldn't it have been there? So nice. that's why I keep speaking. It's like speak and just wash it away or burn it away. I like it. That's it's fire beautiful. Now. Yeah. Burn it away. <laughs> you know, like in yeah. love, a loving fire, you know? Exactly. Um, and you, same thing. And I believe that is with every human is our voice is the first thing to be attacked. That's why when we're kids, people say, what do you think you're better than me? What do you think you're holier than me? And, and we say, <laughs> No, and we retreat back in the crowd. That's the first time our voice gets, you know, mm-hmm. or don't talk at the table, or shut up, or you know, whatever it is, you know, or keep Call me Kaya. Kaya, you know, whatever, you know. Um, and uh that that is the very first stripping away of our sovereignty as beings mm-hmm. to speak is our greatest gift in asset. Mm-hmm. And so regaining our voice and articulating clearly and just bathing people in love. Hey, I, you're love. You're so beautiful. Just to tell people, men, <laughs> oh, man, you're beautiful. I told my son, my son's like, oh, you know, I thought handsome, I, handsome is just a form of beauty. Like exactly, yeah. you are beautiful. You're, you yeah. know, this is, uh, this is what it means to be a warrior now, I think, is, 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 is a warrior of a love and, and yeah. encouraged to stand and speak for others and wake people up in, with love. And we don't have to, 
I used to punch people's lights out with words, you know, it's like, well, do you know, Oh, you know, this, you know, that was just, that wasn't love, you know, now we yeah, see, and I had that goal at one point too. I wanted to be, you know, have a silver tongue and be able to do the exact same thing you're talking about. Like just put someone down with my words like that. Yeah. And that was a goal for me. Like I wanted to be able to do that. Yeah. And it's just like, like you're saying, no, just love them. And love them. that'll speak volumes. Yes. Yes. That's right, brother. Um, we'll wrap here. I just got a couple more questions. So what was leaving the service like for you? That was, <laughs> that was all over the place. And like with your program that you're talking about now, mm-hmm. Oh my God. I mean, my buddy brainstormed something like that too, about helping people integrate with real help and real experiences and real um, coping mechanisms. That is right there. That's what needed to be done right there. Cause when I uh, got out, it was a lot of alcohol. Yeah. And then like me and my wife, you know, she's actually my, I, the girl next door. So she literally lived caddy corner for my mother. Like we grew up next to each other. And uh, so we drank a lot, a lot. And then, I was dealing with my oldest daughter or not dealing with, I was handling my oldest daughter's mother and our divorce and stuff like that. And then I was getting with my wife going to school full time. I wanted to be an English teacher, but uh, that didn't pan out because I was having another child on the way. So my father-in-law got me into plumbing and pipe fitting. Awesome. And it, it was good, you know, up and down, like I'd be good and then I'd be down and then I'd be good. And then, it was drugs and then it wasn't. And then I, alcohol and it took my wife telling me that she was about to leave me when she was the only thing keeping me afloat and the only thing that was good in my life. Mm-hmm. And I was about to lose her. And I was like, damn, I really need to do something like, mm-hmm. so I checked myself back into the VR, went and visited more VA doctors and they got me into a program. And I am going to be an advocate for this program personally, because uh, the, oh this is my brain on hate. Wow. <laughs> wow. I just said that, but that was like, I went to this, they sent me, the VA sent me to Stanford University and they did all kinds of cognitive processing, cognitive skills and stuff and uh, damage EEGs and stuff like that. And then they did uh, what they call, I guess it's like a magnetic gun and it shocks me in my brain. So they'll shock me on this side and this hand will twitch and then they'll turn it down. So my hand just barely... They do it all over the brain, like a ton of times. And I did that after like my wife was about to leave me. And I was like, yep, I need to do something. She's like, you need to fix yourself. Like there's something wrong with you. You can't fix yourself. I can't fix you. Like we did therapy. Like you said, it was the same run around asking the same question every single time I went to two or three different ones. And I finally went to that. I came back after the first shocking or, and I came and told my wife, I'm like, I'm sorry. Like you've been raising two daughters and a grown man by yourself. Mm. Like that's not what needs to be done. That's not how you, that's not what you deserve. And so then I went through my therapy over there at the VA and uh, Dr. Goodkind, I saw her for, I think it was like 16 weeks or something like that. And she came every time. It was the same thing too, you know, how do you feel this time or what? But sometimes she gave me homework or she gave me things to practice on or like what was the actual problem? Okay, at the point I was getting frustrated with my wife or this or that. And she said, okay, well then this, do this or do that or read this. Uh, Here's another activity, do this activity, think about your past. And it was like during that time too, I was, 
there's just so many different things leading to my healing too. I worked out of town and me and my wife kept a, a journal. Like I would write to her how I'm feeling. I'd come back home after that. She'd write back. I'd take it with me, read it. Wow. We'd do weird that's, stuff like that. Yeah, that's beautiful. That's powerful. Mm-hmm. That's vulnerable. That's vulnerable. Mm-hmm. And then I, I tried to do sit there and forgive everybody too. After that, sit down by myself, not call anybody. It's for me. Mm. And I try to forgive everybody that I've ever held grudges for and held that nastiness inside of me. Mm. And uh, like I said, my wife through the whole thing, she's been there side by side and helping me. And we've gone through some counseling. One actually did help. We went to a marriage and he gave us a bunch of rules. And this, I think I have it somewhere. Cool. And we use those and like, we're still, you know, getting better, but it's, it's significantly better. And I think my wife would vouch for me. Mm. So yeah, after the military it was up and down until I did that brain stuff. <laughs> and then, and then your podcast mixed with that. Like I was going through my therapy while I was listening to your podcast, Wow, the vulnerable hero. So yeah, wow. those two combined and then more reading on top of other, you know, people and putting it to work. You got to actually want to put that to work though. Cause I see people that don't want to put it to work and they still wonder why they're where they're at. Yeah. And it's just like, put the effort in and want to heal and be a better person. It's not going to be easy. It's going to be uncomfortable. You're going to feel like you are going to cry. You are going to have anger. You're going to have fear, every emotion. And that's why we are humans. And I think if you saw that thing, the last time I posted about the human emotions, F human emotions used to be my saying that was so ignorant. We need to feel every human emotion. And I'm still working on that, but we'll soon be able to get rid of anger completely. <laughs> That's my goal. Well, you know what, brother? It's, um, you know, if you look at, if we look at little kids, you know, the little kid will fall or, or you know, our da- your daughter, I have two daughters and, and the son, you know, they'll fall and then they cry and then, something will happen and they forget the cry, you know, they, and they move on. And what that is, is the purest model of human emotion to express it, get it out of us. And then it's out. Mm-hmm. But exactly. what we're being taught or what we've been taught men, but men and women society is stuff it in, suck it up, tough it out, you know, blah, 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 all that garbage. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, let it fucking rip. <laughs> like, let it rip. <laughs> Everyone listen, like, let it rip. Yeah. Let it rip. Mm-hmm. Go into the woods and let it rip until you cannot, your throat hurts and your <laughs> throat will heal. And let it rip until you are bawling your snot river eyes out, you know, like let it rip. Yeah. Let it yeah. Rip. And there's no judgment on that. And that, mm-hmm. let it rip. Also, mm-hmm. I just want to say, I did this uh, energy healing Oh, nice. Um, I started, I did, I did a a podcast with the great awakening map creator and and then some people were following me from that and she started following me and followed her back and her content was good, but she posted this one post about her her car accident and how she healed herself. And she, she documented photos in five days. And I'm like, Whoa, I got to call this person (laughs) in Costa Rica. And she did this energy healing. And she said, um, I want you with your left hand to grab, like picture the sword, this like light beam, like a sword and grab the blade of the sword as tightly as you can, as if it was going to cut your fingers, squeeze as hard as you can. 
and she and I could feel it. She's like, you have had so much anger in your left side. And this is just last weekend. And, wow. and, uh, <laughs> and I'm like, let, and it was interesting. Like I let it out and I was like. <sighs> That's intense. Dude, so intense. <laughs> but so healing. So healing. So healing. And. <sighs> See, the things we're talking about right now, too, in some cultures, like my culture, they're like, what are you talking about? What, what, what kind of My culture, too. Witch- we were like, what, yeah, yeah, what are you doing? <laughs> Satanic witchcraft, whatever. But, yeah. You know what like, we are so powerful. It's not even like, yes. you can't even comprehend. Like, you <laughs> That's why people say, well, is a placebo effect? Who cares? If you feel better, who cares? Without taking anything, too. Yeah, like, taking, yeah. I made a fist and someone told me I'm holding light. And I felt, and I felt better ever since. Um, That's amazing. So there's just so much. And, and I bring both those stories up. It's just the, yeah, I get, you get, just let it out. I mean, not just let it out. Go and get it out of you. Just yeah. go. And, and I, another thing, I had this uh, coach that I hired. She had me um, buy pool noodles. And mm-hmm. then take a pull noodle and just and uh it was weird because it wasn't as you know it's so soft and flim- flimsy it didn't create that impact that i wanted yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but i still i i did it till i was sweating and got it out of me and and um that was a good practice too so these are i'm just sharing like some practices i've done to like get that mm-hmm. out but you know it's like an onion you know, take a layer off. There's going to be yep. something else. Take a layer off, take a layer off. But you ogres know, are like onions. Onion. You know, when you <laughs> cut onions. What, do you, what happens when you cut an onion? That's right. That's right, brother. So let, <laughs> let it flow, let it go, yeah. let it grow. You know? <laughs> yes, sir. Oh, brother, I'm so uh, just. Uh, I love you, brother. Thank you. I love you too. Thank yeah. you. Thank yeah. you. Like this is phenomenal. I love the healing. I love the connection we've made. Like lots more memories to be made, indeed. That's, that's right. And I'm gonna connect you with um the VA uh psychiatrist uh down there. Really cool, nice. amazing guy. Um Definitely. and then we'll be doing some stuff together. I know we will. I know oh, we will. Yeah. And then um um how can people find you on Instagram and, and where can people find you? Um, I think I'm only on Instagram. I have a Facebook too, but uh, Instagram is at Doc Mardo. And then uh, just Martin Montoya, I guess is how Facebook works. I don't, I'm not that tech savvy still. <laughs> okay, no problem. I'll put, um, I'll put your, I'll put your Instagram <laughs> handle in the, in the show notes so people can follow you and please follow this dear brother love on him support him and listen and watch his journey because your journey brother when you first did mm-hmm. um was it a live or you recorded a video you know your first long video you did probably a month ago maybe and mm-hmm. i'm like man that was awesome to watch. <laughs> thank you and and even your picture meditating in the buff man i'm like good for you brother let it rip you know how <laughs> <laughs> creative it was freaking awesome i mean that's vulnerable. yeah that's beautiful i've been that's it so much no shoes during quarantine no shoes no shirt <laughs> that's awesome man you're keeping it real i love it yeah oh brother have an amazing night i'm thankful for you, you too and uh thanks for coming on definitely thank you so much and peace love and balance to you and yours yeah, brother. be safe out there wow brother martin thank you so much for coming on 
And everyone listening with, it's time for you to heal. It's time for you to heal. It is. It's time to heal. It's time to stand in your own power, to become vulnerable again, to share your truth, to face your pain, to speak your pain, to release your pain. Stop hiding. Stop stop doing the shuck and jive. Stop worrying about politics. Don't worry. Joe Biden and Kamala Harris is, are not going to save you if you are a liberal. And Donald Trump and the, the Patriot Movement is not going to save you if you're conservative. You know who's going to save you? You know who is going to heal you? You. When you do the work. Now, I'm going to come out with a lot more episodes. I've been talking with some friends. I have more to say. I have more of my story to share. And I might lose some of you as audience members. I hope not. I hope you stay with me. I hope you hear my heart that my heart is for all of us to heal and to experience the love and light of God and to walk into the 5D consciousness and the 5D experience that is awaiting for all of us, that is here for us right now. That said, I'm going to share what I think the future um, holds for many. And I'm going to talk about religion. I'm going to talk about leaving religion. I'm going to talk about more political, I think, concepts coming up. And um, I'm going to stand in my own courage and speak forth. And I share all this with you to say, get ready Um, for me, (laughs) because I have a lot more to share with you. Blessings, blessings, blessings to you all. Blessings, be blessed, be loved. Receive the love right now through whether you're watching this podcast or listening to this podcast, hear me. You are unconditionally loved before anything has ever happened to you. And that unconditional love has never ceased, has never diminished, has only increased because the love has witnessed the pain and trauma that you have walked through. And it is time for you, as it is time for me, to shed the worry and the concern of what other people think of us to finally say, I must heal. And as I heal, I will not pass the pain on to any other. And I'll be a permission for others to do the same. This is the work. This is the journey. And this is why I'm so honored. I hope you hear me. I'm so honored that you listen, that you are walking this journey with me. I'm Lucas Mack. This is the Golden Rule Revolution podcast where we treat people like people and nothing less. Not a label, not a title, not a political party, but as a fully divine human being, sovereign and sentient, who is just waiting to break free from the chains of conditional love and bondage and shame and guilt and control and religious dogma. But just to stand 
as a tree stands and receives all that is. This is the journey of this podcast, and I am so honored. Brother Martin, again, thank you so much for joining. And brothers and sisters, thank you. I'll talk to you on the next episode. Thank you, brothers and sisters, for listening. For support in your journey, go to my website, lucasmack.com. Thank you.